comes after Jesus says the kingdom of God is like um, uh, treasure in a field, or a man finds treasure in a field, and he hides it, and he goes and sells everything he owns to buy that field so he can have that treasure. And then he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he sold everything he had, and he bought it. We just have to be all sold out for the kingdom. I'm going to start um, with a little background. Jesus is teaching uh, around the Sea of Galilee, and there are large crowds that have come, and he actually gets into a boat. And there's some places around the Sea of Galilee that kind of make a sort of a natural amphitheater, and they wonder if these aren't the areas that he was. I have a hard time picturing listening to someone teaching stories out of a boat. That's a really projected. And uh, and I have some I have a lot of empathy for the people who didn't understand what he was talking about. Because one, you're listening to someone yelling a story out of a boat, and also you have no context. We are at such an advantage having already heard these parables and having heard them explained to us over and over again. It's like, yeah, how could they have gotten it? But I can see how they didn't get it. I was thinking about uh language that I read sometimes that I don't get, and it's poetry. I, I have great respect for people who can read a poem and just go, wow, that's incredible, and just get it. Because most of the time, I read poetry, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> Unless it's like kid poetry, and then it's just, you know, about, I don't know. Heads. Heads that have five noses and things like that, you know. <laughs> I could get those kinds of poems, but like, like deep poetry with uh, layers of meaning, uh, I can read those and not understand them. And I don't know about you guys, uh, maybe you can share with me, when, in times throughout school or times that you've maybe opened up a candy bar and there's a, a deep poem on the inside of the wrapper, like, what do you do with that? You read it, and if you don't understand it, where do you go from there? You know? Okay. Now, imagine uh, you knew the person who wrote the poem was of great importance. Maybe you even knew that this poem was written specifically for you from a person of great value. Would that change the way you approach the poem? <laughs> if, if I wrote you a poem, Cora, and it was a poem about my love for you and what I want for your life, would you want to understand it? Or would you just be like, all right, Mom. Just throw, throw it away. in the trash? <laughs> Maybe don't answer that. Want <laughs> <laughs> me crying for everybody? <laughs> right? If you value the person who wrote this, you'd be more motivated to try to discover its meaning. And I thought about that. I'm going to, um, I'm actually, I want you guys to kind of imagine yourselves on, um, on the seashore listening to Jesus teach out of a boat. And I'm just going to read part of the parable to you without you being able to see it. You're just hearing it. The crowd gathered around him, was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said listen 
a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if you hadn't already heard the parables before and heard Jesus' uh, explanation of what they mean, you can understand how some people might have had no idea what he was talking about in one ear and out the other. Now, there were some people who, who, who really reached out to Jesus, who Jesus had even called to him closely, who wanted to know what it meant, and they sought out the meaning because they valued the teacher. So many of the parables that Jesus talked about in the kingdom uh, illuminated the fact that, that so many people were rejecting this treasure that he brought. The, the Jewish people had been in exile for so long, and they had this promise that something was going to change, that God was going to, was going to bring the kingdom to them, and that uh, Messiah was going to come, and they were going to be restored. And they had an idea about what that was going to look like, and for many of them, it didn't look anything like Jesus. And for many of them, the kingdom that Jesus uh, was bringing and was teaching about didn't put them at any advantage. Their status within the church or within the, uh, within the culture, this, this kingdom wasn't really benefiting them more than other people. And so many of them just hardened their hearts, and they wouldn't listen to Jesus at all. It wasn't what they expected, and it, his teaching didn't appear to them to be in, in their benefit. So I'm going to go ahead and just go to the next part, because you guys heard this. It's, if, you, if you need to review that first part that I read, it's in Mark four chapters one through twenty. It's also in the Gospels of Luke and Matthew. It's not recorded in John. So when he was alone, the twelve alone, the twelve and and the others around him, I like that part. The others, the others that sought him out, asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables. So that, and this is, I believe, from Isaiah. I meant to double check that, but this is an old prophecy from the Old Testament. I believe Isaiah says, so that they may be ever seeing, ever seeing, but not perceiving, ever hearing, but not understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? He said, I, I love the way that they uh, recorded Jesus. He seems exasperated half the time. And I get it. I get it, being a parent. <laughs> so I'm just trying to say, don't you understand? 
And then he says, how then will you understand any parable? Which is interesting. It seems to be like this one. If you don't get this one, you're not going to get anything. So he explains it to them. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seeds along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I couldn't help but make some doodles. Yeah. <laughs> this is like using the little scribble thing with my mouse. <laughs> so we're going to break it down a little bit. Jesus is describing what these mean. And we'll, I want each of you to kind of think about which one you relate to, where you are. Um, where you are sometimes, maybe it's not always the same. Uh, Jesus explains that um, when the Word of God is sown in some people, uh, as soon as their hearts are hardened, and, uh, and it falls on, uh, it's like falling on a, a path that's packed down. The seed doesn't even take root. And uh, Satan comes, takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on the rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These are this one's a hard one for me. Um, it's discouraging, I suppose. Uh, when you see someone uh, accept the word and they're all fired up for it, but but then they fall away. And you wonder, it, 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 it brings up this huge argument of, are, are they saved? Were they saved? Was it true faith? One, one point about this that's specific is uh, they fall away because of persecution, because of their faith. And I think this is very, very relevant now. It is not popular or cool in culture to be a Christian. To align yourself with modern Christianity can be embarrassing and it can come under a lot of fire because the word and Jesus is so misunderstood. Some of you may see yourselves here at times. Still others like Seeds sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I created this image for this. And I feel like probably 90 to 99% of us 
fall here a lot. Maybe not always, but this is a very easy place to be. Let's talk about what he's talking about. What are the thorns? The worries of the world, the worries of this life. So what are what are our worries? What are the worries in this life? Bills. Bills. <laughs> we just got our credit card statement after Christmas yesterday. <laughs> it was one of those that can't be right. <laughs> Uh, and we, and we, I thought we were good. Ben's like, I didn't see the credit card bill. Now he's having worries of his life. I just threw that out there. I didn't know how relevant that was. <laughs> what are other worries of the life that cloud your desire? Cloud your... Uh, you light from the world. Yes? Losing people you love. Relationships. Yeah. Worrying if you are doing enough or if you are enough. Also, the deceitfulness of, of wealth. And the desire for other things. I, I'll, I'll volunteer something here. I, Ben and I love projects, and we are constantly doing something that takes a lot of our time, and we can't seem to stop ourselves. We'll have five projects in in row before we have uh, the first project that we're working on even out of the gate. And I don't know what drives us to want to always be working on something but it tends to make us close in and focus mostly on our family and our own our own goals in life because we just bury ourselves in work um and some of them are good things uh like right right now you guys know we're building a house um and ben is doing most of it himself which takes massive amount of times and i'm picking out the things that we need to buy for the house and I am having constant struggles with um, what to choose for our house, like light fixtures. Light fixtures. I love some of these light fixtures that I find. They're gorgeous, handmade, and I can make all these excuses why I need to buy a $125 sconce because it was handmade by this Etsy guy and it's gorgeous. <laughs> and why would I want anything else now that I know what this is? And I get my eyes set so much on sconces and spend so much, talk about credit card bill, spend so much of our money on light fixtures that we can't share it with people who are needing actual things to sustain their life. I get so clouded with the desire for other things. Oh, it's hard. We worry so hard so that's where I am and that so all these weeds around me I feel like a lot of times are just all the things I think I need to do for my own family and my my own goals I don't know about you guys anybody have something on their heart they're thinking about these weeds that are 
that sometimes squash them out. You got something, Cora? Grandma weeds. <laughs> We're not talking literal weeds. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an analogy, it's a metaphor. It's like those weeds that squash out grandma's flowers, right? <laughs> These are metaphorical weeds. Bad habits would do that too. Like not taking care of your body, not sleeping well and eating well. Yeah, not taking care of yourself because when we don't take care of ourselves, we don't have we don't have as much energy and to give, right? And to take care of the people around us. Anybody have anything else? Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 60, 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. That's like a, that's like a cosmic harvest there that is uh, 30, 60, or 100 fold. That's, uh, typically, I think with wheat, like you can, you can assume you, on a good harvest, you can get like out of one pound of grain or one pound of seed, you can get eight pounds of harvest. So it'd be eight times is like your your standard, but it is possible possible for one seed to produce up to eight heads of wheat, each head containing forty seeds. So that's like I didn't even do the math, but I feel like that's even more than a hundredfold. Forty, like three hundred twentyfold or something. Mathematicians out there, you want to do the work for me? You got it, Steve. Three hundred twenty. <laughs> huh? Three hundred twenty. Good job, Jess. <laughs> it's all in there. I just don't believe in myself. <laughs> um, so it's possible. Uh, if you root it in good soil. Now, the Bible doesn't really go into this, what is good soil? In Matthew, actually, Jesus talks, he says that the person with good soil, he gives a little more um, let me see if I can find it. If I make sure that I say it right. Something about having a good and noble heart. Let's see. Well, the one? Hmm, I don't see it here. Maybe it was in Luke. Somewhere, one of the parables, he, he goes on to say, the person with good soil, that good soil is a good and noble heart. And those words were just, and I looked at the, like, the Greek for those, and they're just like wholehearted. Um, but it doesn't really go into what that means. What is What makes someone's heart good soil? I talked to you guys, I think last time I was teaching about um, how this parable uh, was something I read and kind of had an aha moment, moment about um, raising up my own children um, and wanting them to understand the treasure that Jesus is and wanting them to live there, to, to live an actual life, to actually have life. Um, and so this parable where it says, you know, talks about the, the four types of soil, I think to myself, well, I'll, I need to cultivate in them, in them a good soil so that word can flourish. But, but I guess I, I've never gotten to that point of like, what does that actually mean? What does it mean for us to have good soil? I mean, taking at face value, this, this parable can just look like, okay, this is straightforward. You know, you, you weed out everything that encumbers you you listen to the word and you'll yield good fruit. You'll be good soil. But if we can do it all on our own, uh, and if it were easy, 
then we would be doing it. Uh, if we could do it all on our own, then, then we wouldn't really need Jesus. Uh, so I don't think it's as simple as that, as just making yourself good and listening, right? What makes someone good soil? I, I need your guys' help here because I don't have anything. This is my heap of soil here. <laughs> you should have made it brown. I should have made it brown. I was trying to be artsy and well, like, it white lines like... and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pile of spaghetti. That was a pile of spaghetti? Well, I know what makes good spaghetti. Or who makes good spaghetti? That's your mom. <laughs> but that's not spaghetti. It's good soil. What's something that makes your heart open and receptive to the word? Yes, Court? Love and joy. Love and joy? Those are fruits of the Spirit, aren't they? God's joy, peace, patience. <laughs> you know them. We sang them. <laughs> what I had to do a few years back was kind to kind of uh, admit to myself that maybe what I thought was good actually wasn't. And, and instead of it seems to me a lot of a lot of people who are Christians try to make um, scripture line up with their way of thinking, as opposed to their way of, way of thinking line up with scripture. And it's easy to do. I mean, it's, it's super easy to do. Um, but one thing that I had to do is I just kind of had to start over and, and not assume that what I always thought was good was actually good. Probably good for me, not necessarily good for her. Yeah, so humility. Humility to uh, to see the scripture um, as an authority over you rather than you an authority over the scripture. Yeah. Humility, for sure. Yeah? Uh, I think releasing judgment for others or for things that um, come into your life and just accepting people's value and um, kind of letting people be themselves in your life and not trying to make them like fit the mold that you have in your head. Structure kind of like that. Acceptance, maybe. Yeah, Jeff? Um, wake up every day with like good intentions like try to see things like more positively than negatively yeah getting your intentions straight in the morning yeah right? it's like not assuming malice upon people like when bad things happen to you I think um, building good relationships with other people, people that you trust, um, can help build that soil, good soil. Um, I think um, the picture I'm thinking of is, you know, you're tilling actual soil, like you till it, you spend time with it, um, and so just finding those people in your life that you trust um, and who can be a good influence on you can help change your heart um, for better. Yeah, yeah, tending the soil. There's lots of ways that we can tend our metaphorical soil. Yeah? I think uh, uh, keeping a perspective, uh, uh, we get stressed about an issue at work, but un unless you're saving lives in a hospital, 
there's no real emergency, <laughs> you know, I mean, to, to our lives. It, it's, it, it's uh, you know, being able to, to step away and understand the big picture, uh, you know, and, uh, and taking care of yourself. Uh, but we, we get caught up in, at the thorns, you know. Yeah. yeah. Perspective is key. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, there, there are several ways that, that help me align our perspective when it's out of whack. But reading scripture is definitely one that is helpful. And it's interesting because um, I was thinking about this good soil and how uh, it's talking about this good soil for the word to be planted in. But honestly, the word itself and just immersing yourself in the word can create the good soil for the word to be planted in. Yes? Okay. Um, this might take me a minute. So whenever I start a new plant, I have always been told that I should take some rocks and put it in the bottom of the pot so that it has something to hold on to at the very bottom. Like the roots can hold on to something. It also lays the pot down so it doesn't get blown over by the wind and things like that. Before I got married, I was told by my wife that if I did not have a foundation in Christ, that we would not have a marriage. So the foundation of our marriage is Christ. That is the rock that we are fixed to. So when I ever think about having good soil, it all starts with what is in my soil. And if Christ is there at the bottom that my roots can hold on to, I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be blown over. That's something I can go back to every time. That's something my faith can come from. That's just, it's there. It's a foundation that cannot be moved. Right on. I, I like what Janelle said too about how you have to like tear the dirt up to make it good. That you kind of have to. have to be willing to be hurt. I mean, that's always kind of the thing about you will always be, you know, love everyone. But that always leaves you vulnerable to getting hurt. And which you learn from that. I think that has a lot to I think that has a lot to do too with just being you know, she said that though, but that makes a lot of sense because because in order to be willing to you know, hear somebody else and, and all that you have to be kind of like I don't know how to word it. It's like if you let yourself be tore up a little bit, it, it actually makes you better Vulnerability? Mm-hmm. If you continue the soil metaphor, the soil that doesn't produce, like it's it's not bad soil. It's in a bad spot. It's been trampled down in a path or it's on top of rocks. But if you take that soil and put it somewhere else and put nutrients in it, cultivate it, tend it, you know, fill it with the word, fill it with God, it's good soil. That's right. So yeah. sometimes it's circumstances. Your soil can change. Your heart can change. Your heart can change. Right, Corley. When I was trying to put my big picture together, I was kind of going down this road like, um, good soil, our heart. Our hearts will will be squashed out by weeds, and our desires are easily um, go down the wrong road without the Spirit of God within us. So I was thinking about the soil, and like maybe it starts with really 
inviting the Spirit of God into yourself to be your guide, to be to be the person or to be the thing that guides your desires. And isn't it just unbelievable that the creator of everything is willing to reside in your heart and guide you if you're willing to listen? And we can tend that soil and we can nurture the spirit through all the things you guys are talking about. Humility and grace and prayer and reading scripture, being rooted in Christ, knowing that you can improve all these things. So if you feel like you're here, or you're here, or you're here, that can change. God provides everything we need to be that good soil. Something that Jenny said takes me to a part that I wanted, to, I don't have as much time to talk about, but a, a part of this parable that is sort of on a, a, a different a different angle of this parable that's important. And that is, so the farmer was Jesus, and he's sowing the word <coughs> indiscriminately, with abandon, everywhere, doesn't matter, on the, on the path, in the weeds, on the rocks. He sowed it everywhere. The word was for everyone. He didn't just sow it on good soil where he knew it would take root. He told everyone the good news. It was for everyone. And that convicts me. Because some might say that I share the word. But I share the word with people who come and uh, show interest in me sharing the word. People who are receptive, obviously, to hearing it. And this is a huge uh, debate, even among us. I know that we've talked about this before. When, when Herb was talking about um, evangelism and how we share uh, the truth and the gospel and this treasure with, with the world, how do we go about that? And, and I don't share it with people who aren't receptive as a rule. Um, I can think of people very close to me that I know aren't receptive and I don't really go there with them. And that convicts me a little bit. I don't know about you guys. You may have a different perspective on it, but I think that I'm not 100% all sold out for the kingdom um, because of this, because I don't want to run up against that hard-packed soil that's just going to take this treasure and toss it out and say, this is trash, I don't want this. Um, Jesus said it's not because the word was wrong, it's because the heart and the soil wouldn't take it, right? But he sowed it everywhere. I was reading this uh, this sermon that talked about this angle a little bit about the way Jesus sowed the word God with abandon everywhere. And uh, I've got the laundromat, and you guys know uh, we live in a yurt and we have no washer and dryer. So for the last four years, I have hauled laundry for six people to the laundromat, to the uh, hourglass laundromat there on, what is that street? 
It is by get-go. <laughs> Off 25th. It's the cheapest laundromat in town. It's my laundromat. It's dirty. Uh, but it's where I get my dirty clothes clean. And uh, <laughs> where I take my dirty laundry. Every Friday. Every Friday, 3 to 5, if you want to find me on there in the laundromat. <laughs> me and Tom and Dave, who are telling stories about everybody who's died in town. And... Uh, couple other people that I don't know their names. <laughs> the, uh, the stories I could tell from Tom and Dave. Um, but I had to pee and I tried really hard not to use the laundromat bathroom because it's nasty. It's gross. But I had to pee so bad I couldn't hold it anymore. Fine. I'm reading this sermon about spreading the word with abandon. I go into a laundromat bathroom. Oh, here she is. Nice, huh? <laughs> you see up there? I see. You. I look happy about being in there. <laughs> and look what's on the toilet in the laundromat. And I thought, look at that. Somebody's sowing a little seed of the word right here on the laundromat toilet. <laughs> if you need reading material, there you go. <laughs> oh, and if I hadn't been reading that sermon, there's no way I would pick that thing up, right? But it's just, it struck me, like a little Easter egg for my, for my teaching. Uh, whoever did this, whoever put that there, they didn't know who's going to pick it up, whether it was going to get thrown in the trash or use as toilet paper, because you never know whether there'll be toilet paper in there. But I found it, and uh, I picked it up, and I thought, I'm going to share this with you guys. It's a track. Most of the times when uh, I see people handing out tracks, I don't take one. A lot of times the images are pretty goofy, and I usually question uh, the source of the track. Most, you know, a lot of times it's Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and But I picked this one up, and you know, it's pretty good. And I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to help this seat along. Uh, this person who put this track on the, on the uh, laundromat toilet had no idea where it was going to go. <laughs> but it just talked about uh, steps to peace with God. And it's really pretty good. I said, why don't most people have peace and abundant life that God planned for us? I got some scriptures here. I'll just read one of them. Uh, the first one. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's from John. That was something Jesus had said. And they said, why, you know, why, where's our separation coming from? God created us in his own image to have an abundant life. He did not make us as robots to automatically love and obey him. God gave us will and freedom of choice. And we choose to disobey God or go with our own willful way. We make this choice today, and this results in our separation from God. Talks about the different ways we try to reach God, but says no bridge reaches God except one. I kind of like this image. I don't know if you guys can see it, but this uh, this fellow who is he carrying a backpack? It's a strange profile. <laughs> 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 or a really puffy coat. He's a turtle. His arms are on his, his hands. Are on his hips. Like this. His hands. Oh, his hands are on his hips. And he's got a puffy coat on, so there's no back. I don't know. But you can't get there with good works. You can't get there with religion. You can't get there with philosophy, philosophy, or morality. God's holy God or God. How do we get there? For look at this to God, Jesus Christ. 
Right. Yeah, we've got this little image. You gotta climb over the top of the cross, but <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Here. So it says, uh, we must trust Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and receive Him by personal invitation. That's that humility that recognizes our need for God. It goes on um, to kind of like walk someone who doesn't really know how to receive Christ. Uh, admit your need, that you're a sinner, be willing to repent. That's Herb likes to make sure we remember that one. Repentance, repent from your sin, change your behavior. Um, know that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and rose. Invite Jesus and the Holy Spirit into your life. There's, there's a... <laughs> There's a prayer here, and I like the little touch of Dayton and signing it. <laughs> okay, this isn't a contract. This isn't really the... <laughs> this, this part of it's got to be a little like... But they want people to take it seriously, right? And then it just talks about, you know, if, if you've done this, this is what the Bible says. This is the assurance you have. Um, I had to look at... Uh, look who who, uh, who published this. This is uh, from Billy Graham's Evangelist. Association, 32 cents for that track. <laughs> and it gives more things. How, how are you going to, where are you going to go now? How do you deepen your relationship? And read your Bible, talk to God in prayer, share the word of Christ, be with the, be in fellowship with other Christians, and share your love. It's really pretty good and straightforward. Um, and so I want to share it with you guys. My little Easter egg that I found on the laundromat toilet. Do I have it? I do. I actually have it right here. Y'all aren't going to want to hold my hands after or touch me after. Here she is. Little, little on that toilet track. <laughs> so, honestly, guys, that's what I have for you today. There, this, there's a psalm uh, that I thought spoke really well to what we're talking about. And it says, this, David wrote this psalm, and this is after his little issue or his thing with Bathsheba and he's, he's repentant and he has a, a very good psalm uh, 51 he says create in me a pure heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me amen we have communion and so our, and we have we have some time to do that has that light been on the whole time yeah <laughs> In the last supper, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he shared it with the disciples, saying, This will be my body, which will be broken for you. And he shared the wine, this will be my blood, that will be spilled for you for the forgiveness of sins. And he asked us to do it in remembrance of him. And so we do. Let me pray. God, I believe most of our most of us have the desire to bear abundantly for your kingdom. But the hope we have in you is a hope we want to walk towards and a hope we want to help bring about here and now. God, please fill our hearts with your spirit so that our desires can align with yours. God, I pray that we encourage each other in the tilling of our soil, in the tending of our soil through prayer, through reading, 
the fellowship, create us a pure heart, God. Amen.